Welcome to the Tech Simple Podcast. Independent insights into the latest AV technologies, as well as tips and best practices to optimise AV solutions for modern workplace and learning environments. Here are your hosts, David and Jonathan from Connectus AV Consulting. Well, welcome back again to another episode of the Tech Simple Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, David Alara. Hello, David. Hey there, Jonathan. Really enjoying these podcast shows more and more, I must say. And today will be no exception, mate, because we're joined by another special guest, an experienced expert in commercial property and workplace, who's now helping grow the co-working business Hub Australia nationally as Chief Property Officer. It's a pleasure to welcome here today, John Priest. Oh, thanks for that, David. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Look, I've really been looking forward to having you on this show, John. We've known each other a while. Connectus has been working with with Hub Australia for a number of uh, years now on so many projects, you know, keep popping up. It's it's exciting to see the growth for for Hub Australia. How do you feel about that? Oh, look, we're we're delighted. It's the past few years, of course, have been a challenge for, for everyone. But when you're operating in a flexible workspace business and everyone goes home, that's a bit of a challenge. It's also been a really interesting stress test for the flexible workspace industry globally all at the same time. And there's been some interesting results that have come out of that. I think there are many people in commercial real estate and other sectors that, you know, five or six years ago saw the flexible workspace industry as a a little bit of a, a bubble that was inflating too quickly and would burst eventually. And whilst COVID has caused some pain in the sector, there's no doubt. I think a lot of the more mature operators have come through the other side and rebuilt their businesses relatively swiftly on this side of the pandemic. And, you know, frankly, conditions are now ripe for a fairly rapid expansion of the sector. So whilst it's been unpleasant, I think the conditions now are really well suited for the flex space industry to prosper. And as a part of that industry, again, we've come through challenging time and we're setting ourselves now for a period of growth. Not for growth's sake, but because we're seeing that there's significant demand, CBDs, metropolitan areas, and also regional areas. So it's leading us in different directions than perhaps we would have earmarked before the pandemic, which has been really interesting. But you know, demand is robust, and that's great for the sector, but it's great for the hub as a business as well. I must say, I feel like if anyone is sort of the, the champion for flexible workplace, it's you, John. I mean, you are prolifically posting on LinkedIn. I follow the the, the posts and, and the conversations. You you definitely have a lot to say, a true thought leader. And I, I guess it's it, it's on that note that I'd like to look at in a bit more detail one of the articles you put together in late 2021. It was called Liberated Work, Responding to the Unshackling of Work from Place. And in that article, you addressed hybrid working and co-working or flexible workplaces and liberated working. So I think it'd be great in this show if we um, can look at those individually and sort of understand what each one means. Probably since that time of uh, 18 months ago, there's been some change. You, you definitely maybe have felt what you wrote 18 months ago is now slightly different. It'd be good to, to understand uh, your perspective there. But if we look at hybrid working, what would be your understanding or your, your description of it today? Think about if I take a step back, I genuinely believe, and I say it with a straight face, that what we're experiencing right now is perhaps the biggest shift in work practices that we've seen since the Industrial Revolution. 
it's of such significance and the scale and all around the globe, all at the same time, there's this shift in work practices. And I find that fascinating. And I'll have lots of thoughts around what, you know, how, how work should be and the future of work and what it may, might be. Um, anyone that tells you they know what the future of work is, is deluded or lying, by the way, and, and no one knows. But seeing the evolution and how organisations of all types, whether it's small businesses through to government bodies, how they're experimenting with what work can be right now. And when I talk about work in this context, it's generally sort of knowledge work is an office space. Mm. I fully yes. appreciate there are many sectors that don't have that sort of flexibility, healthcare workers, teachers, so on. But, you know, about half of the uh, the working population in developed economies, it, you know, they work out of offices, so it's a significant proportion. And I have thoughts, and I started to write them down, and initially that resulted in the article I wrote for the Corporate Real Estate Journal that, that you referenced, and subsequently I, I write those thoughts down primarily to make sense of what I'm thinking more than anything else, because when you write something, you, you tend to sort of try and make sense of it. And I started posting on LinkedIn, and, and yeah, it's a good outlet, and uh, it, it prompts responses that then prompt further thoughts so it's kind of helps my own education and, and development as well in, in that space because there's lots of people around the world doing amazing things and and here we are in australia in our own little bubble and it's great to reach out and build a broader network to see what's happening in in that regard but the shifts are, are, are huge i mean even at a veneer level pre-pandemic if we look at that versus post-pandemic so pre-pandemic people were working flexibly already we kind of know that from a lot of the studies uh, that were around in the pre-pandemic time, touched mm. on this in the article, that average occupancy, not corporate real estate vacancy rates and all that sort of stuff, but actual real-time utilisation of, of office space pre-pandemic, somewhere between 40 and 60%, depending on industry sector. And when you look at the hard average, it's about 45%. So about half the office space was actually used at any point in time. So so that's, that's when we're talking about half the office space being used. You're saying, you know, the organisation has leased that space, it's fitted out, it's in its tenancy, but people are just not using it and people are not there. That's right. And, and in that same, this is pre-pandemic, in yeah. that same period, this guy at Stanford, Nick Bloom, was also doing lots of studies around work from home. In that same pre-pandemic period, the work from home was about 5%. So if you took those two pieces together and well, 45% of people are in an office and 5% are working at home, well, the other half are either not doing anything or they're working <laughs> elsewhere. So like, I'll derive from that that they're probably doing something, otherwise they'll be fired, <laughs> and they're probably working flexibly. They're at a client's office. They're somewhere that's not home and not the office. They're travelling. As we all know, there's a multitude of places. If you've got a laptop and a phone, you can work anywhere. So the flexible work thing is not new. Um, it's been around for, for quite some time. Uh, but of course, no one was talking about it, wasn't widely spoken about, certainly wasn't hitting the headlines, and we weren't having binary conversations around whether you're in the, the office or at home. Then COVID hit, everyone went home, largely, and we had this work from home experiment that it like, kind of worked, let's be quite honest, and you know, not ignoring the challenges of the pandemic period, but the world did not come to an end. A lot of organisations actually prospered during that time. A lot of organisations suffered, but you know, largely the work from home experiment worked. The technologies were in place to, to support that remote working, as to be expected, because flexible working was already a thing. That other side of the pandemic, of course, everyone is now talking about what's the future of work, working from home versus working in the office. It's always a binary conversation, of course. It's one or the other, which is nonsensical, but that seems to be the, the headline grabbers. <laughs> so true, yeah. But if we do look today, uh, if I look at stats out of the US, office utilisation versus pre-pandemic, you know, 50 to 60% right now looking at the Castle data systems. Here in Australia, the PCA has got some useful stats as well around various various capital cities. Now, Sydney and Melbourne, the larger cities, 
sitting again, somewhere between 55 and 60%. So when you take that, put it on top of the pre-pandemic occupancy, of course, it gives you a figure of broadly 25 to 30% utilisation of office space today. So a third of the space is being utilised. Now, that's pretty scary um, for, um, for tenants and landlords. Yeah, it's alarming, right? On a number of fronts, you know, for landlords that own office buildings as leases expire, what is going to happen? What are these um, organisations going to do with their footprint? You know, logic dictates that they will analyse how their space is being used to a far greater extent than they were before and probably right size. And in many instances, right sizing might mean downsizing and significantly so, you know, maybe up to about half. For organisations themselves, now that there's a spotlight on this utilisation, pre-pandemic wasn't talked about, right? No spotlight. No one had to do anything. So even if the space was half empty, kind of like, so what? But there's a mm. spotlight on it now. We're seeing more utilisation data come out, more sensors being installed in spaces. So you're getting real-time data. And when organisations have that data, they're going to need to do something with it. So I think, you know, we've seen a shift in just analysing what's happening that wasn't happening pre-pandemic, certainly is now. And of course, lots of people working flexibly, whether it's home or elsewhere, is irrelevant, but the, the office is a component, but there are lots of other spaces. The workspace now is a network of spaces and not a singular space. So what, what is the office and what does it need to become in order to attract people to come to it? And when they come, what are they doing in that space? Because it'll be different to what, how it was before. I think the notion that people go to an office to sit at a desk Monday to Friday, nine till five is, is definitely dead but I don't mm. think the office is dead. I think the utilisation is going to be different and there's going to be different activities in that space. And that's going to need physical changes and also service level changes in office space moving forward in order that people want to go there. So if people are not going to an office or a physical location now to sit at a desk and work, and we're talking about changing environment, what are those changes? Do you have any insights into the type of activities happening at physical yeah. spaces now? So... Yes, I read lots of lots of uh, research on this, and it sometimes it comes as no surprise what your intuition tells you is just supported by data, and sometimes there are oddities. So there was a study, a recent study by a company called Relogix, and it's predominantly US data, but there was a, a number of companies from Europe as well. And it seems that predominantly, I'm looking at data right now, so, you know, meeting spaces, collaboration spaces, um, shortly followed by office in, in the sense of cellular offices. And then the lowest utilisation is, is desks in the sense of open plan desks. So that tells you that people are coming to the spaces to meet, to collaborate. The office usage, hard to get sort of granular on that. It could be just that more senior people in businesses are in offices and they are coming back to the office more. Or it could mean that that's a cellular space where you can have those private conversations and that's, again, a form of collaboration that people are using those spaces for. Don't know, that's just me sort of surmising. But certainly meeting collaboration seems to be a high utilisation or, or certainly higher than sitting at desks anyway. I see also, you know, a lot of customers that we work with and, and the floor plates, there seems to be this need for a, like a town hall area where lots of people can come in and get together or maybe formal presentations or even informal get-togethers. That, that seems to be a lot more prevalent now than it was pre-pandemic. Are you seeing the same? That doesn't surprise me because I think what we're seeing there is organisations being more intentional about why they ask their people to come to the office or to a space. So if it's mm -hmm. a town hall gathering, it could be at a hotel function space, it could be yep. flexible workspace event space, but being more intentional. 
because it's a challenge for organisations. Those organisations that have come out publicly and said, right, everyone back to the office Monday to Friday, nine till five, look, hasn't been received so well. There are, and there are others at the other end that say, hey, we're going fully remote. And, and, and some people don't receive that so well either because, you know, maybe, you know, they don't have the ability to work in a remote fashion. But I think there's distinctly, there's a move towards intentionality of why you would bring people to a space to be together. And the town hall sessions is, is an obvious one, right? You want to get all of your people together to give them information, but also just to get them together to socialize, to build relationships that are different people have different lenses on this but certainly being in person does help significantly with building relationships that you can then maintain online you can build relationships online but you know the sense is that from a lot of papers that i've read that being in person is still that's the best way to to build a relationship and to periodically maintain that but it doesn't have to be all the time it could be once a quarter once every six months I think Atlassian is saying, you know, you need to come back to our spaces like once a year. So that's their view. <laughs> uh, but in, in any, you know, there, there's a there's a need for getting people together in person periodically. But it has to have an intention to it. It can't just be for the sake of it. The organisations that say, oh, look, we've leased ten thousand square metres and it's on a five year lease, therefore we have to use it. Can you all come back, please? Well, that's not a compelling reason for anyone to go to a space. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a genuine reason for that. You know, being amongst colleagues, collaboration. Or perhaps because there is a certain technology for their job that they have to go to that space in order to perform. But there needs to be an, there needs to be a reason for that, and for an organisation to mandate people to come in, then there needs to be intentionality. So the town hall thing is is an obvious one where you want to get the broader group together. You probably want to disseminate some information in person, but importantly, you want to let them socialise and build those relationships that will uh, that will help them as individuals get their jobs done but also will help their teams and will help the organization because this flexibility thing is not all one way it's not all about the individuals doing what they want they do work as part of a team and they work as part of an organization so the flexible work has to support the individual the team and the organization so there's you know there's three components to that yeah it's a tough one i mean are you now sort of saying to talk around this uh, idea of liberated working? Because I I must be honest, I haven't really seen that as a term or a couple of words put together other than from yourself. And when I read about it, I said, well, gee, that that looks pretty cool. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, tell us more about that. I I feel like hybrid working is is the compromise that's not a compromise and no one's happy. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I understand what flexible workplaces are and, you know, there's certainly a, a growing market for that, co-working. And yeah. the, the liberating, though, perhaps is, is more universal and more something that we could all be moving towards. It seems like you have that view. Is that true? Yeah, look, my view on that stems from the fact that pre-pandemic, people were working flexibly already, so this is not new. Mm. I think this hybrid tag is convenient, but it also stems from the binary position of office or home. And if you look at the definition of hybrid, you could unpick that and say, well, it's not just two things, John, but most people on the street would understand hybrid as being two things. If it's a hybrid car, it's, you know, it's, it's petrol electric. If it's hybrid work and it's office, an office and home. And I think that's, it's become a quite a universal term just to deal with the fact that we're working at home and office. But my perspective on that is that uh, there's far more to flexible working than just the home and the office. And again, just look back to the pre-pandemic. The figures then, let alone the figures now, we know that people were working elsewhere than home or office. And that's where my mind started to go down the path of, okay, well, what does the workspace look like if it is a network of spaces? And how do individuals 
use that network of spaces and how does an organisation support them in the use of that network of spaces. And when you strip away a lot of the words, um, it comes down to choice. It's providing an individual with choice and saying, hey, Mm -hmm. we're going to support you in this network of spaces, whatever that might look like, and going to give you the choice to go to these spaces and places to perform your best on a given day, week, month, year. Because as we all know, there are different factors that will lead us to different spaces. The town hall, when we're getting a a team gathering, a focused work, yes, you might stay at home if you've got the luxury of a quiet area at home, or you might need to go to another space, a library space, a co-working space to get that focused work done if you don't have those conditions at home. There'll be other times when you're seeing clients, you're working in a client space. You might find yourself between two client meetings and you find a hotel lobby to go and work in. So there's, there's this network of spaces that support individuals in, in what they need to achieve. And my notion of liberated work is that that's kind of where we're headed to as opposed to this notion of a hybrid home office. There are your two choices. There's nothing else mm-hmm. with no support from an organization to develop a network of spaces and, and work in a different way. So liberated work is not sort of, you know, just letting people run run around and, and roam the countryside and do their own thing but it's supporting them in being uh, in maximizing the productivity at a personal and a team and an organizational level so for me the hybrid thing right now is necessary because there's a lot of organizations are just wrapping their heads around well what what does it mean how do we implement it is it two days right, in or three right. days in and and there's a lot of sort of horrible structure being placed around that that's kind of mm. we'll call it hybrid working because it's flexible but it's not flexible at all because you've got to be here tuesday wednesday and thursday and you can do what you want on monday and friday like that's not flexible <laughs> but i think it's necessary for organizations to work out the steps that they need to take to support people to work more flexibly before they can transition through hybrid into this more liberated work environment where they can then turn their minds away from the immediate challenge of post-pandemic you know what does the office look like how do we transition the office into collaboration space? How do we support work from home through to supporting people develop a network of spaces? And, and ultimately, I hold a view for, you know, for some workers and not all by any stretch, there's a proposition that the workspace could become salary packaged. Mm. Turn back the clock, I don't know, 40 years, um, organisations used to give people company cars and then kind of quickly worked out that they're not a fleet management organisation so they just gave people an extra bit of salary to go and sort their own car out next Mm -hmm. thing was mobile phones and organisations would hand those out and then quickly worked out it was all too hard because John wanted an iPhone and David wanted a Samsung and and Jonathan's still on the Blackberry but um, (laughs) um, so there's there's some money go sort your own phone out Uh, I see organisations doing the same thing with laptop and tablet hardware now because for the same reasons people have got personal preferences and it's not beyond the realms of doubt that an organization could say hey we've got an amazing branded hq venue in the city for when you want to come in and meet your colleagues and clients but there's an allowance go and sort your own workspace out beyond that whether it's a co-working space or whether you're investing in fitting out a space at home use salary package and element of the workspace it all comes back to I think there's the choice, yes, but also the extreme personalization that we've all got used to in, in every part of our lives now. We're here to talk about technology, and technology is a, is a prime one of that. You know, we, the three of us may have the same smartphone handset as an example, but I can almost guarantee without even knowing that we're going to have them set up in different ways with different apps, even in organizations where IT department has really tight reins, like some of the banks, for example, really tight reins on hardware and what applications could go on there. You can guarantee that every individual that works in that organisation has got their desktop set up in a different way to support the way they do things. So this personalisation is is paramount and that partly is why I think that 
because people are used to that in every component of their lives now. They expect that from their workspace as well. And that's why they'll want to develop. And I think it's supported by productivity metrics, this network of spaces that, again, is personalized to them and what they need to achieve on a given day or week or month. So not only do I get to choose which mobile phone I get or uh, which laptop I now get to choose where I work and and how I work, as you say, either, you know, I might decide to deck out my home office or just decide to go to a co-working space where I can get away from the kids. Exactly. And you might do both of those things and you'll do other things on other days, depending on demands you've got from the tasks that you need to perform and the people you need to meet when you need to be with colleagues versus when you need to be alone. That changes daily. Uh, so I think the notion that you can have a one space that fits all is is challenging. And just to maybe bring it to a close and also get a, a bit of a feel for your views on AV, John, I mean, the, the flexibility is what I'm hearing loud and clear here in giving choice. Now, look, at, at, at Hub Australia, there is that flexibility with the AV. It, it's basically centred around your personal device. You can bring your personal device in and, yes, there's cameras and microphones and, and screens and everything in, in the meeting space. You just sort of can plug in and, and away you go. Do you think that's the right model in most cases, whether it be a, your type of a co-working place or a central HQ to give people that choice and flexibility of using their own devices? I think you've got two different concepts there. So in Hub being a flexible workspace provider, of course, we are here to support our customers in how they work. And we could have, you know, in the location I am now, we've got now close to 800 individual customers and we don't have any say in the technology that they use none at all so Mm. there could be people that are you know just as as simple as just you know video conferencing Mm. there could be people who are using zoom teams google hangouts go to meet webex the hardware that we provide for them to do that vc has to support all of those things in our corporate headquarters at the other extreme the corporation, the organisation can, to an extent, dictate what that platform is and set themselves up for that platform. So an organisation, for example, that uses Microsoft Teams, as you know, many corporates do, would set up a space for Microsoft Teams because that's what they will dictate that their employees use. Now, whether that's right, wrong or indifferent is another question. Oh, but that's the it question, is- John. That's the question, <laughs> you see. <laughs> yeah. Look, For me, we very used to supporting people using what they personally feel is best for them. And that's, you know, that's what we do. We can't dictate to our customers the platforms they use. So we've got to be Mm. software agnostic and we've got to provide really good quality hardware for them to connect into. So bring your own device for us, entirely normal. We do have some of our meeting spaces that are uh, already set up to use a a number of the more common platforms. Sure. You know, Zoom, uh, Google and Teams seem to be the most common ones right now. Guys at Cisco wouldn't thank me for that with with WebEx, but they they seem to be the most three common ones. But of course, then you do get people who are turning up with, you know, WebEx and GoToMeet. So we've got to support all of that. We can't just sort of turn people away and say, no, we don't support it. So we've got to be software agnostic. If you're running an organization, I don't personally think there's any reason why people, you know, couldn't have the freedom to use whichever platform uh, that they feel Mm. is best. And indeed, we know that they have to. So even if Organization X says we are using Microsoft Teams. I can tell you now if John organizes a meeting with that person, I'm going to use Zoom because I'm more familiar with Zoom and I don't think it's a better platform. Just Mm. a personal choice, whether it's better or not is irrelevant, but it's a platform that I've become comfortable with and therefore Mm. the invite that I send out will be on that platform. So I think it's, it's difficult to have hard and fast rules. 
but certainly for us, having the flexibility to accommodate anything is absolutely paramount. And also that drives a a wonderful, I was going to say simplicity, but AV is never simple. It drives you to create systems that are intuitive and will support whatever software someone walks into that room with under their arm uh, that they can connect in and it has to be easy for them to do. That's the most important thing for us because if it doesn't work first time, I was listening to you guys yesterday, it's kind of has to work first time. Yes, it does because if it doesn't work first time, like it's broken. Even if it's not, it's it's definitely broken. (laughs) I'm glad you agree with that because I think that is the new expectation from most people uh, as we mentioned on that uh, that webinar. We've gone through the pandemic and we found it was so easy, it was so seamless as you already mentioned earlier in this show and uh, so why shouldn't it be now in, in the built environment as well? It doesn't work first time every time. Yeah, especially for a co-working uh, space like, like Hub Australia where yeah. people are paying you money to use their spaces if it's not working first time every time. That's not good yeah. news. Not good news at all. And I also think people have got a different a different level of tolerance to you know, mm. what working first time looks like now. Yeah, We've come through the pandemic. We've all been using whatever platforms we've been using. We've set up our own um, hardware with the software that works for us. If you then mm. walk into a room and it's not as easy as it was at home, it's kind of like, oh, this is just bad. Like even if it's right. not bad, it's like the the, ex- the customer experience is a bad one, mm. and then you know our business lives and dies by great customer experience. So that's paramount for us that it works. You know, it works first time. That's an excellent closing point. Well, I think that's all we've got time for, John. Really appreciate you coming onto the show here and sharing those thoughts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tech Simple Podcast. To like, share, or discover more episodes, head over to Spotify. If you'd like to talk to us about AV in your workplace or learning environment, book an initial discovery call with David or Jonathan at connectus.com.au. And remember, Tech Simple.